This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Hockey News Podcast. Matt Larkin here with the usual pals, Ken Campbell, Ryan Kennedy. And it's an interesting time of year because for the first time in many, many months, we can actually say nothing is happening. (laughs) And because of that, we figure it's a great time to do something a little different and we're going to do sort of our total request live, if you will. Except it's not live, but you know, there's a lot of requests. We're going to do reader questions, all reader questions all the time. So... Let's just jump they in. Do you guys the work ready? For us. They yeah, do the work you for guys us. are doing the heavy lifting. Yep. Starting with a with Drew Hall, and Drew Hall says, "If neither player wants to renegotiate a contract, who do you move first, Artemi Panarin or Sergei Bobrovsky?" Which is an interesting interesting question to me because it kind of assumes you need to move right, either. Right, right, right. And I personally would move neither because I, I actually think oh, Columbus is Stanley every, Cup. You just took Woo! everything. You just took my whole thing. Can. You suck it. My whole thing. Suck it, Ken. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no, and, and I, I agree with you, Matt. Like, do yeah. these guys not fancy themselves a Stanley Cup contender? I think Columbus is going to win the Metro Division sure, this year. Sure, sure, okay. So, if you trade either of those guys to a team that that wants to put itself over the top, they're not going to give you today's like player for player for player equal value back, right? So you're going to get futures. Columbus doesn't need futures right now. For them, they're trying to win a Stanley Cup. Like, did the Washington Capitals trade John Carlson? Did the Vegas Golden Knights trade James Neal? No. They went with them, and they went as far as they could with them. And who knows? Like, maybe if they do get on a roll in the playoffs, and maybe they do come close to winning a cup or a cup, maybe that's enough for one or both of them to say, you know what, we got a good thing going here. Let's stick around. So I don't, I, I'm with you, Matt. I don't think they need to trade either of them. Yeah, I like that. If you were going to trade one of them, I would go with Panarin because it's much more obvious right now that, you know, he, he might not be there long term. And I know, you know, his agent has said, you know, look, he just doesn't know right now. And, you know, eight years in Columbus, that's like a big commitment and, and that sort of thing. But I feel like if you can find a deal that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, that's the guy you move. And I, I just feel like a winger versus a starting goaltender and a Vesna winning goaltender at that, I'd rather have the goaltender. If you look at some of the teams that have, that have had trouble finding starters, it, it just feels like, because you guys are right, I mean, Columbus is a very well-built team right now, but they've also seen this song and dance before to a, le- to a greater extent, I should say, with like Jeff Carter, for example. Um, and like, but what did they end up getting back for him? What did they end up getting back for Rick Nash? That's a legacy that they yeah. really moved on with, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, what did they get back for those guys? Yeah, they got Anisimov, they got Davinsky, they who got became Brandon Sad, who became Panarin, right? But right. not yeah. obviously one for <laughs> yeah. one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's tough because <laughs> the difference between Panarin in particular and John Carlson, like you said, Ken, is that. You know, it is very public, unfortunately, that Panarin mm. seems to not right. want to stay. Right, and there was always a chance Carlson right? was going to come back. Yeah, they, and, and and Washington was the favorite. going to come back. Those guys, and I, and I get that distinction. You're right. right. Yeah. And there's been the talk that Panarin wants to go near a body of water. I don't know if that's legit, but that's been the scuttlebutt <laughs> on Twitter, right? 
Um, His agent said that's not true. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. No, no uh, actual destination. The Detroit River is a body of water, right? That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. a body of water. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. The Reno and, Canal's a body of water. Yeah, it's a nice. That's a nice body of water. It really. Beaver is. tails on the canal. Yeah, that's yeah. how I grew up. Uh, but I agree with Bobrovsky in particular because, as I said in the podcast last week, Bobrovsky is almost the only consistently elite goaltender in the NHL right now right. in terms of multiple right. seasons in a row. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's only what thirty years 29? old. I believe twenty nine. So yeah. that's young in goalie years. I yeah. think you need to keep that, especially because. To me, Columbus's window is not small. I think they have a chance to be good for a while. He'll be 31. No, 30 when the season starts, right. And with with Pierre-Luc Dubois (laughs) and Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones to build around, this team's going to be good for a while, I think, if they play their cards right. Right. And Bobrovsky, you could sign him to an eight-year deal, and because he's a goaltender, you'd be okay with a 37-year-old Sergei Bobrovsky because it would be like having like a Luongo. Or a right. Yeah. The only thing I worry about with Bobrovsky is that Ian Clark, the goaltending coach, has left. True. And that was the guy that, you know, he's been with Bobrovsky a long time. So you wonder, is Bobrovsky going to want to follow wherever Clark ends up? Right. I don't know. He's already in Vancouver. Oh, Clark went to Vancouver? Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So, and then, yeah, then that's not going to be a fit for Bobrovsky because they're going yeah, to... Yeah, Thatcher Demko. Demko. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Thanks for the facts from Mr. Kennedy. Boom. And uh, then there's wa- and there's water, but it does it really. There is water. It really it really yes. fulfills the water requirement. That's for Panarin. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> yeah. Next question is from Joel Anderson, and Joel Joel's busting up the big guns here. Mm. What is a good hockey deal? He put that in quotations. A good hockey deal for Carey Price. Why are we even talking about this? Because he feels bad for Carey Price. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Mark Bergevin is not going to make that trade, but I think Montreal, sh- like Montreal, was smart. They should consider that trade. Yeah, yeah. Good so hockey that- trade for Carey for Carey Price is not having to pay Carey Price ten point five million dollars for the next eight years. That's a good hockey deal. Cap space is an asset. I've been saying this for years, and I I I, I really think that people don't. They're still and and. I, I, I think there's still even some GMs that have a tough time getting their head around mm. the fact that cap space is as valuable to a team in some ways as a player or a coach or a general manager or whatever. So, I mean, if Carey Price ends up being injury prone and this is the beginning of the end or whatever, the asset you get is 10.5 million bucks off your books for the next eight years. Mm. That's the good hockey trade. But let's assume that Carey Price is still one of the best goaltenders in the world. I think in that case, you're looking at a first-rounder, a high-end prospect, and a roster player, probably a goalie, yeah, a, yeah. a lesser goalie, and obviously yeah, one yeah. who's cheaper, so it kind of balances off the money because, I mean, you're already about the cash base. But I think that's where you have to look. It's all futures, futures, futures. It would all like, be yeah. futures, futures, futures. A fantasy trade. So here, here's the fantasy trade I'll propose in my head. Because first of all, I would say because Carey Price has been hurt two of the past three seasons, I think ideally if you were going to trade him, you want him to have one healthy season to get his value back up. Sure. He's perceived as elite again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so let's say you, you make the deal in the summer of 2019. Pekka free agent. He's gone from Nashville. We know uh, David Poyle is aggressive. He has history with Mark Bergevin making crazy trades. You get UC Saros, Ely Tolvanen, and a first round pick for Carey Price. Because uh, the Preds know they're still going to be good for a long time. Boom. What do you think? Who says no, as they always say on Twitter? Who says no? Is that what they say? Yeah. yeah. I just get called an arse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that trade, though? Is that any good? That's okay. That's pretty I mean, good. You, you, I think you 
think David Poyle is going to make every trade ever in the history of hockey? Because he the is. Rest of the history of hockey. <laughs> Prove me wrong, David. <laughs> That's right. He is aggressive. No, he makes big yeah, moves. Yeah. Peter Forsberg trade. Johansson for Jones. Yeah. Weber for Subban, you know. Yeah. Uh, next one is from Victor. I'm going to pronounce the name wrong. I apologize, Victor. Victor Mrochka. You should tell me on Twitter after, Victor, if I said that right, okay? Uh, Victor says... How come you're not saying their Twitter handles anymore? Uh, I don't know. I can, if you want. Okay, here we go. Ready for Mochka this? At uh, Sanibona2011. Wow, like that, that was really good like information that. to share. Yeah. Uh, and jo- Joel Anderson was at Joel Anderson 10 so there you go. Although Drew Hall was at Super Kick Junkie, so that, that's pretty good. <laughs> Super uh, Kick Junkie? Super Kick Junkie. That's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to kick a junkie habit. Uh, <laughs> so Vic- Victor says... What does Winnipeg need to do need to do to get free agents? So he's referring to UFAs, unrestricted free agents, to like them as a market. Win hockey, win at hockey. Yeah, win at hockey. but they're winning at hockey right now. No, I know, I know. But but Paul Stastny didn't leave Winnipeg because he didn't want to be there. He left Winnipeg because it couldn't work from a financial standpoint. I, I mean, let's go back. I mean, they they've done a good job of keeping guys once they get them there. You know, Dustin Bufflin could have gone anywhere. He stayed. You know, they've got Mike, Mike, uh, Mark Scheifele long-term. They've got Brian Little long-term. They, you know, I mean, Jacob Truba wanted out of there, and now it appears like Jacob Truba is very happy there. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's what Winnipeg has done from the start. They've made a very concerted effort to make their players feel like this is the best place they could be. And I think they've done a really good job of that. And I, I just think that, um, you know, you don't have – in terms of a market or a city, you don't have what's perceived to be important to a lot of free agents. Uh, but if you're a good team, I, I, I mean, if you keep winning and you're building towards something and someone thinks they can go there and win, that's, that's, the, that's the best advertisement for UFAs that you could have. Yeah, and to build off that, a really good sign for the Jets was when they got Brandon Tanev, who was a college free agent. That, for them... I know organizationally was big because it's like, all right, we're starting to get players, even if they are, you know, prospects, we're starting to get kids that had the choice of every franchise and they're starting to pick us. I think that was a very important uh, moment for that franchise is, and it's a baby step, but it's, it's a step in the right direction where you can say, yeah, you want to come here? We think we can be a winner, and we think it's a great atmosphere and environment, uh, even if it's super cold outside. And what would you rather want? What would you rather have? Would you rather have an organization that drafts pl- really good players, develops them really well, and keeps them, or a team that has to go out and fill holes by paying, overpaying, unrestricted? Right. And players? you don't win that way. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I'd rather have the. I'd rather have the former. I'd rather have the first one. And you know what? Maybe. You know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that every free every free agent doesn't want to go there because then you become the New York Rangers yeah. and you just go chase this shiny bauble that's out there and most of the time it doesn't end up working. Yeah, it does the Jets a favor. And the other theory could just be just try and find guys from Minnesota because Blake Wheeler and Dustin Bufflin, it's easy for them yeah. to stay because it's not far from their homes. Right. Plus, Minnesota has a climate similar to Winnipeg, so they're right. not turned off by Winnipeg's climate. 
Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. And I think in a way, if if UFAs are scared off by Winnipeg, it kind of saves the Jets from themselves. And it, right. it's forced exactly. them to yeah. be this team that builds from within and look mm-hmm. how good they are now. Like, exactly. I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is maybe if they prove again that they're a big-time contender next year, maybe you can you can add pieces on short-term deals. Maybe Which is exactly what they did last year. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next question is from... Nate Crystal at Nate Crystal eighty seven. <laughs> Why did the New Jersey Does this Devils guy think he is Sidney Crosby? Or yeah, something? apparently, apparently. Yeah. Although maybe he might be a Devils fan because the question is, why did the Devils have an extremely bad off season, and how do they move forward from here? Um, I'll start with this one because I did have a conversation with Ray Shiro a few weeks ago that I think predicted what they were going to do in the off season, and Shiro had said that he's not a fan. He, I think his words were. Free agency is not the way to build the team. Mm-hmm. And he was going on and on about how, hey, oh, Zidane Char is the only noteworthy UFA that actually helped the team. Can you think of another one? And I said, I can off the top of my head. That was that impactful. And he said, exactly. Mary Hosa. What's that? Mary Hosa. Yeah, Mary Hosa is a good yeah, one, yeah. 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 Um, but, he, but off the top of my head, I couldn't yeah, think yeah, of, yeah. of one right yeah, that, yeah. that but, fast. But I get the sentiment. Yeah, yeah. the sentiment. So, yeah, yeah. so it was pretty clear that, <laughs> that the Devils weren't going to be major players in free agency. Uh, so I, I, don't, I, I would not call their offseason extremely bad. Mm-hmm. I think they're just playing conservative. Yeah. They know that they are ahead of schedule mm-hmm. with their development. Mm-hmm. But as we've said before, I think I've said it on the podcast before, the Devils had more, more players than any other team at the World Juniors this past year. Yeah. So they've got even more young reinforcements on the way. Uh, so they're, I think they're slowly building something. Obviously, Nico Heischer is going to get a lot better. Will Butcher is just getting started. So I think they're just playing it smart, and they're not overreacting yeah. to that one year of success. It's almost like Shearer wants to make sure it's the real deal because you never know. Things change so much in the NHL. You think you're a contender one year, and all of a sudden you're out of the playoffs like Calgary the next year, right? Right. So right. I, I don't know, Nate. I, I don't think I would call the Devils offseason bad. I would call it conservative. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, no. And I mean, how can you say it's bad when it hasn't even played out yet, right? I mean, I, I think I think what the Devils may do and probably will do is I could see them taking on a Bobby Ryan. You know what I mean? And using He's from New Jersey. Use it, yeah, exactly. And thinking, okay, maybe in, in that milieu he can be a little bit better and... Obviously, you're also getting assets along with Bobby Ryan. Right. So what you're using is your again, using your the cap space as an asset. You're using your cap space to take on somebody else's, you know, less than ideal situation, and you're getting and you're building up assets in return. And are you getting Eric Carlson in this trade that you're thinking th- about? No, 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 no. no I, th- I think I think I think down. they become one of those teams that makes it work. Because they can take on a Bobby Ryan, but they also get somebody's picks or, yeah. or so, you know something. They get yeah. a second round or yeah, something like or that. or probably a little more than that. Like yeah. I, like I, I would think you'd have to, you'd have to get a little more to take on that yeah. that commitment. But but I think that's sort of the way they go. And then you know I, I Taylor Hall's got two years left on his deal, right? So after January 1st of this year, they can start negotiating an extension with him, right? right. They can announce it by yeah. summer. And then announce it by July 1st. So that, I think, is that's their most pressing concern, in my opinion, especially if Taylor Hall comes out and does what he did the first half of, the, of next season, what he did the first half of this season, right? So mm-hmm. that, that, to me, like, I, I, you know, I mean, sometimes there's just some really good, there's a lot of merit in just doing, staying the course and doing what you're doing. Yeah, and I think it's it's also worth noting that New Jersey's not supposed to be good right now. They're 
they're rebuilding and they're they're doing a nice incremental job of doing so. Right. I, I feel like last season was a bit of an aberration where they really sort of like, you know, caught lightning in a bottle and, and Taylor Hall, obviously, you know, the reason uh, that he got the accolades he did was because of the season he had. But I mean, if they miss the playoffs, it's okay because you want to keep accumulating high picks. And if they can get another high first rounder, I think that would help out a lot. Yeah, they could probably use another one. They, they really could. Like, I know they had a lot of kids at the World Juniors, but uh, I don't see a lot of, like, surefire players right now other than Nico, who's already there. Um, you know, I thought Ty Smith was a pretty nice selection in the first round this year. But, you know, he'll need a couple of years before he gets to, to NHL territory. So uh, if they can get another high pick... I think that's more in line with what the original plan was. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that John Hines is a great coach. And, uh, you know, Taylor Hall had an amazing season. But, you know, they they still have to build so that they're at the point where they can contend with, you know, the real beasts of the East. So for now, I I think it's smart that they didn't go out and, and, like, sign James Neal or something because they're not one piece away. Right. There's and several pieces you need, away. And you, need, you need to upgrade that defense court. That, that's, oh, yeah. That's where, that's where the, the sort of the, the, the real work is right mm-hmm. now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because to me, even by staying the course, they might still be fine in the Metro. Like, I think they're going to be better than the Islanders. The yeah. Rangers are openly in rebuild, mm-hmm. so there's a decent chance that the Devils will be better than the Rangers mm-hmm. again. Carolina, who knows what's going on with that yeah, team yeah, right now. They're yeah. a complete wild card. So I could see the Devils being top five in the Metro again, and top five in the Metro, given the weakness of the Atlantic, probably gets you in the playoffs again, yep. right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Like, yeah. Florida's going to be in it again, I think, as well, but I think New Jersey's going to be pretty decent. Uh, next question is from Ralph Wiggum, at Ralph Underscore Wiggum. Why does my dog's breath smell like dog food? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my cat's breath smells. Like oh yeah, that's right. cat <laughs> food just, I knew just, that actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ralph says, "Is there any team that could realistically challenge Ottawa for last in the league? What would need to happen for Ottawa not to be last? Maybe the Islanders and Carolina fail to get goaltending. Is Vancouver worse than the West? A lot of stuff in there. So we'll unpack it slowly." Uh, I don't know. I mean, is there any way Ottawa is not the worst team? Well, I think there are teams that could give them a run. I think Montreal's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think Montreal's no one Shea of them. Weber? Yeah, no Shea Weber. And yeah. who knows what, how good Carey Price is going to be. I think the Islanders are another one. I think the Rangers could be one. I, I, you know, I mean, Vancouver's got that po- those possibilities as well. Um, yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think it's kind of up in the air for sure. Yeah, I would look at the Islanders as the, the best competition for Ottawa for last overall, simply because, like, I mean, blowing a hole in your depth chart like that is just really tough. And then losing Calvin DeHaan as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, for a while there, I was like, okay, you know, they, they, they're, not, they're not tanking. They're, not, they're, they're tanking. Yeah. <laughs> they're tanking. Yeah, Matt Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Leo Komarov, Matt yeah. Martin. Yeah. Like, they're getting all the Leafs that the Leafs had. Yeah. When they acquired they were, two professional tankers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that's the only life that Leo Komarov knows. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. Like, except other than he got to play a little bit of playoff hockey this year. But, like, he's a tanker. That's what he exactly. does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I guess out west, I mean, it feels like Arizona's going to be better. But I think they are, yeah. But we've said that before. Yeah. So there's there's a part of me, there's like an 8% part of me that's like, what if they're horrible again? I want, I, no, but I want them to be better. I need, we need, you, we need hockey, them to be better. Yeah. Hockey needs, the NHL yeah. needs them to be yeah. better. So I, let's, yeah. let's just, 
look on the sunny side of life there you with go. that one. And healthy anti ronta and, and, and I think we all think Buffalo's going to be a little, be better. Yeah, well, right? oh, yeah, I think they're be not going to. They're not going to finish last. They're Monday. certainly better than Ottawa, and they're in the same yeah. division. I think the so. Buffalo's going to be eighty point team, eighty five maybe. Like yeah. not in the playoffs, but better. right. So challenging, sort of on the cusp. Yeah, maybe maybe, so a, maybe next year they're, they're in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, Vancouver is a team because we always have this weird <laughs> surprise ahead of schedule rebuilding team. Like it was New Jersey this year and Leafs right. the year before. I I kind of wonder if Vancouver is a sleeper to be that team. Like mm. if Elias Pettersson makes the team sticks. And maybe he wins the Calder. You got Bo Horvat. You got Brock Besser. And maybe partway through the year, Thatcher Demko ascends and gets the starting job. Like they, I like a lot of the young talent they've assembled there. It wouldn't surprise me that much just because of the fact that we seem to get this surprise team every year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if Vancouver turned out to be the team that does it this year, but uh, who knows? They could also be last overall. It's, I mean, you could, that's probably more likely than playoffs. But there's always a team to watch for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is from Jordan Sampson. And jo- uh, at J Sampson one ninety eight. See, these are thrilling, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad yeah, that we're just really the sharing these. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the Ralph Wiggum one was okay. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, okay, but his name was Ralph Wiggum, anyways. Although the next one, I get the next question, I'm going to share because it's pretty, it's okay. pretty ridiculous. Okay. So Jordan asks, "What is each of your favorite NHL arena slash neighborhoods to visit?" I have a bucket list item that involves going to all of them at least once. I wonder if we're all going to pick the same place for this one. I don't know. For me, it's Montreal. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. My, yeah. It's, it's Montreal followed closely by New York. And are you, so that's more the city experience or the in-game experience? Every, 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 the whole package. Yeah. The whole package. Like, I, I used to cover, in a previous life, I used to cover the Leafs for the Toronto Star. And I went to Montreal a lot for, for road games. And no matter how good or how bad, and, and the problem with Montreal Toronto is like, they can't seem to get in sync. Yeah, they're never right. good like, at the same time. One of them's always lousy and one of them's always good. But yeah. but this is impervious to that. Like, no matter how each team is doing, whether one's a, one of them's in or out of the playoffs, the Saturday morning at the, at the Chateau Champlain Marriott, across the rink, across the street from the Bell Centre, the Saturday morning of a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, there is nothing like it. There's, there's no place like it. And the whole downtown is just... Buzzing, like it's there's like I love Montreal at night, but I almost like it better during the day on the Saturday of a game Hmm. when they're playing against the Leafs. There's just there's no experience like it. And in in arena atmosphere, I think Montreal is also peerless because even the the way the Bell Center is structured, it's almost it's very like you're really on top looking down. Yeah, like the the seating goes almost straight up. Yeah, so you're way more on top of the action than most arenas. And this the acoustics. I don't know if that's why. Right. But I find there's no arena that has more of an electricity. Like much like the Bell Center could could they could have a game where there's only thirteen thousand people, even though that would never happen. And and they might. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it would it would still be louder than twenty thousand at certain arenas. See, to me, for, 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 for me, Montreal, when you encompass everything, like you take into account the city, the hockey culture, the whole thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that's where, for me, that's where it's at. Yeah, unless it's the World Juniors. Yeah. Burn! World <laughs> Junior Burn! Yeah. World Rene, Junior Burn! Rene, yeah, yeah, Rene Fassel Burn! But yeah. for me, then you're still in Montreal, mm-hmm. which yes. is pretty damn good. That is true. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I guess I would probably say, like, Madison Square Garden, that there that is really special. Like, that, like yeah, like going to a Stanley Cup final game there was was pretty great. And it, I, I think it's because like New York itself is such a great character and you you know, you come off the subway and you're like right downtown, you're right yeah, in yeah. it and 
and the rink itself is so nice, and, and the press box is very nice now as Yeah, well. with those little, they have mini TVs that are yeah, right Yeah, there's like glass, and yeah, it's a very good It actually setup. was cool, and like they used to put us uh, in, right in the seats down almost at ice level, wow. and that was cool. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. So I would say like, yeah, I mean, Montreal definitely has some great cachet to it, um, but yeah, Madison Square Garden's another one that it's like, yeah, this is... It, it almost doesn't matter what's going on. It's yeah. you know it's going to be kind of a cool, semi magical experience. Right. I I probably would pick MSG, but also in terms of like, if there's a road trip to this city, which would which one would spike my heart rate with excitement the most? It's Nashville, just right. because mm-hmm. the the actual yeah. main drag Broadway with all the bars and all the live music and the the amazing southern cooking. Just in terms of, I mean, the arena atmosphere is good, but in terms of just the neighborhood, the surrounding area. I think Nashville might be my favorite. I love that place. It's just nonstop fun. And even though this is not part of the question, but my least favorite, I'd say, is L.A., Staples Center. Really? I, yeah. I don't yeah. – I find Staples Center – I haven't been to every rink in the league, maybe half, give or take. But uh, Staples, I find there's no arena where you're further away, at least as, from a media perspective. It's the only arena I've ever been to where I actually had trouble making out the names on the jerseys because yeah. you're further away. And, I mean, I've said before, Ken, you, you know this, but I'm not a fan of – LA, the, the fractured yeah, structure. Yeah, you have yeah, to drive yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like you well, don't you get to take get... Veda and then you got to get <laughs> yeah. on the fucking <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Californians. So yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but I know it's a lot of people's cup of tea. So not to diss LA, but uh, Chicago's yeah. a, 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 a like it's, I completely forgot about Chicago. It's it's amazing. And Chicago is interesting because the like the United Center is great, but the only criticism I'd have is the United Center is not like where it's located. It's not yeah. right in the middle of all the best parts yeah. of Chicago. You got to right? drive. Yeah, it's a little bit off the beaten path. And and if you leave a little late, you're also you know risking getting killed <laughs> or <laughs> killed. Yeah, like when 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 I've stayed late there, they have a security guard who stays late and walks. People out to their car. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've been there late, very late at night yeah. and, and literally had an, an eight ball of, of crack cocaine handed to me. <laughs> Can I say that on the podcast? I don't know. I, didn't, just I gave did. it back. I gave that it back. That must have been a fun night. I, yeah, I, was, I gave it back, I swear, okay? Uh, yeah, that was hardcore though. No, uh, you wrote something and I remember what you wrote. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, next one is from Jason Goche. Here's, check out this handle, at Buckshot Enema. Whoa. Now there's a handle for you, all right? Yeah. I don't even want to picture what that means. But uh, Buckshot Anima says, I seriously think William Nylander is the trade ship Toronto has to, has to get a top-pairing defenseman. Do you think Justin Falk is a fair return? Loaded question because, again, it assumes that William Nylander is traded, but yeah. I guess we can play along. Sure. Um, but the one thing I'll say is before we play along, Kyle Dubas recently, I think it was last week, went on record explaining – He's going to keep Nylander, Marner, Matthews because yeah. that was part of the pitch to Tavares. As Dubas said mm-hmm. last week, if you ship out one of those guys, it's kind of lying to Tavares. It defeats right. the purpose of bringing right. him in because right. yeah. part of the pitch was right. come play with all these young players. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that was a key part of the pitch saying we will be able to keep them all. So I don't think Nylander is going anywhere, at least not this season. But we do know the Leafs need uh, another big-time defenseman. So I guess for that reason, let's play along. Uh, well, I saw Dumba here in the question that I got. So. Yeah, that was a reply from another guy. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Not a chance. Not in a million years. Yeah. So it's not trading Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba is one of the best young defensemen in the game. You don't you don't trade Matt Dumba. Although, even for Nylander? I don't think so. But Dumba's, uh. been, Dumba, Dumba's been mentioned a lot as a potential trade chip, which I, I don't know why. It's yeah, kind of like I, Tyson Barry. I don't, Barry. Need, I like, don't either. All he, does is, all he does is play big minutes, 
produce, put up good analytics. <laughs> like he's going into arbitration this year, and he's going to knock it out of the park yeah. if if he if he ends up going because he is by far the best defenseman going into arbitration this year. And but it's anyways, funny because you trade a Matt Dumba, and you're like, oh, what do we need? Oh, we need a Matt Dumba. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. Um, I don't know. We talked about this last week. I, I I don't think the Leafs' defense is going to be as bad as as people think because they they're not going to have to do that much. And with Roman Polak gone, I think that opens up a spot that somebody will see is like a Justin Hall or a Travis Dermott or both of them. Mm-hmm. They could both be there. Connor Carrick, I think, will probably get a longer leash. And you know, Morgan Riley is like pretty solid. He, you know. All these guys have to do is, like, get the puck up to the ice to these forwards. And, um, you know, like, you don't have to defend if you always have yeah, the puck. Yeah, if you have the puck all the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. I, I think that, you know, you're right. I mean, they, they got to hang on to Nylander because then you get just the matchup problems where you've got Matthews Nylander on one line. You can have Tavares Marner on another line. And that's just, that's just a nightmare for everybody else. And I feel like Falk is, like, Kind of the, the shines, the, the blooms off the rose with him a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Of, you know? I mean, I mean, this time last year, or maybe it was two years, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm getting old. Anyways, this time not so long ago, we were talking about Carolina having the best defense core in the league. And they've basically gone out and blown it up. Right. Right? And, and they've revamped it completely. If they were that good, then why would you have felt compelled to go yeah. out and get a Dougie Hamilton and to trade Noah Hanfin and mm-hmm. to, you know, do all these things. So I, I just kind of feel like it, it's, like with Justin Falk, it's kind of not as great as it was. I think there was some projection with that <laughs> decor where, you know, with Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin, yeah. you know, we knew what they were. And it's like, okay, these guys are better than most people expected they were going to be, uh, but in a more well, low-key way. Yeah, and then there was a bit of aggression there. Although, yeah, and then went with Hannafin. had a concussion, and then yeah. Slavin came on strong late in the year. But I, yeah. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. And then with Hannafin, you know, you sort of said, like, okay, well, he's already this, and he's still really young, so yeah. he's going to continue to get better. Yeah. And, he, you know, he, he probably still will. It's just now he's doing it in Calgary. Um, but with Falk, I think there was, there was maybe some burden where, I mean, Carolina had some of the worst goaltending in the league last year. Um, Things just didn't like come together. They don't have a number one center, and I, I think that decor, you know, I mean, it's all hindsight because it, it happened the way it did, and, and as you said, I mean, now it's not the same decor. But um, you know, if they had another year or two together, maybe they could have become a Nashville East. Right, right. It, but it didn't happen. Yeah. What if you traded Jake Gardner straight up for Justin Falk? Reason being that in terms of lefties and righties on Carolina's mm-hmm. defense court, the Dougie Hamilton trade screwed that up, right? Because you have Slavin and Pesci, or each that's one lefty and one righty. But now with Falk and Hamilton, that's two righties. So you have you have three righties in your top four now if you're Carolina. So if they're a team that that subscribes to the sort of new school of wanting a lefty and righty for easier you know outlets and everything. Yeah, but if you, um, you, could if you have swap. Slavin and DeHaan as your as in your. Oh no, you have DeHaan as well. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah. you've got that lefty righty situation. Yeah. But then who gets nudged out? out? So does that mean Falk's on the bottom pair? So you've got Slavin Pesci as the they're always a pair. Yeah, yeah. And you've got yeah. if, let's say if it's Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, maybe Hamilton DeHaan. Uh, if you if you're if you're subscribing to the lefty. Right, and then you have Falk and Trevor Van Riemsdyk on the third pair who are both righties. Right, right. But so you've got Hayden Flurry too, who's a lefty. Yeah, that's right. So, uh-huh. so I guess for Carolina, it makes more sense to trade Falk for a forward because you know Fleury's on yeah, the way. Yeah, Eventually, yeah. you got Jake Bean yeah. coming as well. Who's got? Yeah. I mean, he's not a sure thing, but 
pretty big potential. Uh, next question is from mm, Tim. Just Tim. That's Just it. Tim. Just Tim. Tim. I like it, Tim. He got, he got in on early. My name is Tim. He's like, like uh, Team Brazil. The guys on Team Brazil like Frank. Yeah, yeah. right. I am Tim. <laughs> Uh, Tim says, why are the Bruins so reluctant to trade any of their prospects for good talent? Are the Bees overvaluing their prospects and uh, other GMs aren't really interested or are they trying to make a perfect deal and hesitant for fear of making a bad deal? Uh, in my opinion, Sweeney's trade history is suspect. One thing to qualify here, though, is they the Bruins did trade some young talent to get Rick to Nash. Get Rick yeah. Nash. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah. they they yeah. traded Ryan Spooner, yeah. they traded Lindgren, yeah. so they're not completely terrified of doing it. Right. Uh, but what do you guys think? I just feel like the Bruins are in a place right now where they know they have a pretty good team. Uh, they might not be the best in the East, but they have a really nice foundation. They got the best line in the NHL uh, with Bergeron, Marchand, and, and Pasternak. They have some nice supporting pieces, but they also have a lot of these young players coming up that that have a lot of different skill sets. So you have Ryan Donato. Uh, who's got you know fantastic hands and offensive capabilities? But then you have Jacob Forsback and Carlson, who's more of a two-way guy, who's probably the heir apparent to David Krejci. You have Brandon Carlo. Um, you know Charlie McAvoy is still really young. He's already an integral part of the team. So I think what you have is you know a franchise that has drafted pretty well. Um, you know, another name I'll toss out there for the future is Oscar Steen, who I could, I think, could be the perfect third or fourth liner. He's a great energy guy with speed. Uh, really like them at the World Juniors. I, I think they're basically saying, let's do this organically. We're gonna, we're gonna be in the playoffs every year. We can probably win a couple of rounds depending on how the bracket shakes out. But if we bring these kids along the right way, in say three, four years, we could legitimately be a Stanley Cup yeah. contender. And, and I, th I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, what we've, what we've been talking about with Winnipeg and, and New Jersey and everything like that. Like, the best way to build a team is from within all the time. Yeah. You know? And if, if you know, I mean, the perfect situation is you draft well, you develop well, these guys come in and they either, you know, they either make your team better or you get to a situation where you've got a 30-year-old player who wants big money and you go, nope, see ya. Nope, not doing it. Not no. doing it because we got a guy coming up who can do exactly what you can do for half the price. So mm -hmm. that's probably why because that's how you build teams. Well, it's funny. Look at the recent cup winners and who are their, who are their most important players, right? Washington, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Holtby, right. Backstrom, Carlson. Right. Homegrown, yeah. homegrown, homegrown. Yeah. And, you know, Pittsburgh, Crosby, Malkin, Matt Murray, Latang, it yeah, goes yeah, on and on yeah. and on. LA, Chicago, Chicago yeah. LA, all, all every one of those guys. teams, right? All home guys, yeah. The one thing I wonder with Boston, and I actually wrote about this this week, is that you know with this arms race, especially if Tampa gets Eric Carlson, the Bruins are in a bit of an awkward spot because part of their roster is, is starting to age out, right? But some yeah. of their best players are veterans. You know, you've got Bergeron, who's going to be, I think, 33 when the season starts. Crazy's 32, back is 34. Rask is in his prime. Marshawn's in his prime. So, and Boston, I mean, they're a good team. They're one of the best teams in the league. Marshawn's so, 30. Marshawn's 30 now, He's right? 30. So, yeah. if, especially if Tampa gets Carlson, that means the team that eliminated you adds Eric Carlson, and the team that was beating you in game seven. 
third period of Game 7 adds John Tavares. Mm. So, and you lose Rick Nash and Riley Nash. So I do wonder if for Don Sweeney you consider just sparing maybe one of your young kids if you can get an impact winger because we know that's what like, – they're pursuing Kovalchuk, right? Yeah. So do you chase a Jeff Skinner? Do you, do you surrender a Ryan Donato if it gets you a Jeff Skinner? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think you do. I don't think I they're don't on think that. They're not on the yeah. level of Tampa Bay. So I think you have to say to yourselves, let's, let's just play out the next year or two. Let the kids develop. You know, if we lose in the first round for a year or two, that's okay. Like, we want them to get that experience. We're not we – are, we're no longer in that window that featured – Chara, Bergeron, Rask, you know, that cohort, those guys are going to start aging out. But not all of them. They'll, you know, like I think yeah, Rask. They all still have three or four years left on their Yeah, Rask and Bergeron, yeah. I mean, they'll still be there for the next wave. I mean, Chara, as superhuman as he is, like we're probably looking at another year or two max. So there's going to be a transition. It's going to be. It's going to become Charlie McAvoy's. Yeah, decor. Charlie McAvoy and and David Pasternak. They're yeah. they're the future. And yeah. I mean, those are great building blocks. Certainly are. So I think what you do is you try to get in the youngsters and have them find roles and be those complementary players for that nice core you already have that's in its prime or about to come out of it. Good. Uh, we're going to do one more question. This is from Jesse Mazzaroli. I'm going to assume that's how he pronounces it. <laughs> or she. Could be a she. Uh, who's the best prospect that may be flying under the league's radar? And the example Jesse tosses out there, a good example, Robert Thomas in mm-hmm. St. Louis. So well, maybe, he won't be, he won't be yeah, flying under the radar not, for long. Not for long, yeah. He's, yeah. Play, he's playing next year. I think so. Well, he's a very mature two-way player, right? So he's, uh, yeah, got, a, he's I, got an I, adult, adult game. Yeah, I talked, to, I talked to Doug Armstrong last week actually about this, and – he envisions Thomas coming in and taking his spot. And he said, he told me, he said, in the 10 years that I've been a general manager in Dallas and St. Louis, I've had one 19-year-old one make my team. And that was Robbie Fabry because mm. he basically just came in and took a spot. Mm. He said, we're looking for Thomas to actually, you know, not not steal a spot, but but prove that he can take the spots, spot that's there for him. Mm-hmm. And, they, and he believes that, that Robert Thomas can do that. Yeah, that's know? a good one. Another name I'll throw out is Miro Heiskanen uh, with Dallas. And it's funny because I wrote about Heiskanen last week and a uh, ton of feedback on Twitter from Dallas and Ottawa fans. Um, it's almost like the trade fell apart after you wrote that. Yeah, really. It was like maybe you, maybe you, maybe you gave people a reason to pause. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Uh, or it was all just like BS in the first place. Also a possibility. Also a possibility. But I think because Heskinen doesn't put up huge offensive numbers, people don't recognize just how dominant he was in Finland last year. And because the Finnish World Junior team was such a mess, strategically, people didn't get a real sense of what he can do in Buffalo. But if you look at the minutes he was playing for HIFK, if you look at the impact he had, I mean, this is a guy that's going to step in in Dallas. And again, he doesn't have to be the man right away. They got John Klingberg. They've got some other you know players there. Um, but he can play big minutes, and he's such a good two-way player. He's, he's so mobile. He's so smart. I feel that he's kind of like a Calder dark horse for me because if he does what I think he's capable of in his rookie year, I think a lot of writers, when they watch him say, 
you know, yeah, you know, he's only got 40 points, but he's, you know, like, look at all the other, like, look at everything he's doing out there. Look how he's controlling the play. Look at how, you know, he gets out of his zone. I, I just think so he has... It becomes an Aaron Eckblad situation. Kind of, yeah, yeah, where it's just he does so much yeah, out yeah. there and he does it so well that it's almost like the excellence is going to trump the numbers. And, and maybe he puts up numbers because Dallas is going to score a lot. But maybe he's just really excellent and you, you just can't ignore him. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to throw out a guy that... Uh, you probably know Ryan. I I'm not so. sure if you know him, Matt. I didn't know him until I went to Buffalo's development camp. Oh, yeah. Okay, another guy you're going to say. Victor Olofsson. Yeah. 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 He, he led the Swedish – he's a 22-year-old guy. He led the Swedish league in goals last year with 27. Um, and, like, I went to Buffalo's camp to go see uh, Darlene. And this guy wheels in, and they're talking to him. And he's like, yeah, this is my fifth – Rookie development camp. <laughs> Who the hell goes yeah, to five crazy. rookie development crazy. camps? You He's been going since he's been 18. He was a seventh-round pick, 181st overall in 2014. And he just looks like a guy who was a bit of a late bloomer. He looked like, I mean, you're, he's playing with a bunch of other prospects, so it, it's skewed. But the skill level is obviously there. The guy can score. He can shoot. I think he'll probably start in the minors and work his way up. But, I mean, I think he's a guy that... Probably a lot of people don't know about that. That might end up being a pretty decent player. Good, good pick. Uh, mine. I don't know if it's deep enough, but you guys tell <laughs> me. Um, but he's overshadowed. He did get a little taste of the NHL, but he's, he was overshadowed because it's such a good young team as Jack Rosovic in Winnipeg. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that's a good and yeah. I, what I what what is interesting to me about Rosovic is he kind of reminds me of a young Paul Stastny because he can he's, he has that type of game. He can play center. He can play wing. He's a smart player. He showed in the AHL, I think, more offense than maybe. I mean, you know more than me, but mm-hmm. Ryan, but may, more offense than he was possibly even projected to have. He was better than a point-per-game player in the AHL. And he strikes me as a guy who eventually can be – like he might uh, – I think the long-term plan could be for him to surpass Brian Little and eventually become mm-hmm. the team's number two center. He can kill penalties. He can play in mm-hmm. all situations. Mm-hmm. could be like a 20-minute-a-night kind of yeah. guy. And I think you're going to see, now that Stastny's gone, the silver lining is I do expect Rosovic – to get a lot more of an opportunity this year, and maybe he runs with it. Maybe he's one of the best young players, yep. breakout young players in the league. Yeah. And he's got wheels. I think that's the big thing with Rosalick is he's quite fast. Uh, I always like to point this out. The NTDP, uh, one year their top line was Austin Matthews, and his wingers were Jack Rosalick and Matthew Kachuk. That was a line. That's a line. That's a line. They were nasty because Roslovic, he played on the right side, and he would go in with his speed. He'd get the puck in the corner. He'd get it over to Matthews, and Matthews and Kachuk would just cycle it until it was in the net. Imagine if you put if you put Kyle Connor on the right and Nikolai Ellers on the left with Jack Roslick in the middle. That's nice. sexy. That line would be just. That's why we like speed. Winnipeg Jets so much. That's, that's right. why we're talking about them winning the yeah. Stanley yeah, Cup next right. year. Yeah, they're going to be. I'm not changing. They're my cup pick. I don't want to like spoiler alert. I guess, but I'm picking Winnipeg to win the cup next year for sure. Right. Uh, me too, because we said it already. We're we're all in on this. Yeah, yeah. we're doing the Houston, especially Astros for our thing. egos. All, yeah. yeah, we need we, like for our egos' sake, we, we want to that. be right. We need yeah. that. Yeah, we, we need that. We need it bad. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, let us know on Twitter if you liked this all-reader question edition, and maybe we'll do it again, because there's probably going to be some uh, quiet weeks again this summer, okay? Thanks for listening.